Hi, and welcome to the Unlocking Customer Service Podcast. I'm your host, Meg Richmond. I'm here every week talking with guests who can help you realize the full potential of your contact center and customer service team to keep growing your business. Oh, and you can do all of that while still prioritizing your people. In fact, that's the secret to it all. Let's chat with our next guest. I'm here today to talk to Rick Kosiba, our chief data scientist at Sharpen. This is going to be a fun one. So, uh, Rick, we're seeing that a lot of contact center leaders have problems with too much data and they don't know what to measure and how to measure it. Uh, They will admit to making changes without even understanding what these metrics are. So from your experience, what role can this data play in decision making? Well, it's a couple things. One is if you if you know you're going to have a whole bunch of data, especially if you're in the contact center industry, and, and if you believe your data, um, and you understand it, then your data sh- obviously should help you help you drive decisions. And, and there's really two scenarios. Um, one is, and this is this is the best. This is this this is the most optimal. The be- uh, the first thing, uh, the the best way of handling data is to use it by chugging it through some sort of model. It could be your capacity plan, your 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 budget plan. Um, a, you know, build a calculation, get insights from that calculation, and uh, figure out what the benefits are, you know, of one path for the other. Anytime that you use data, people will talk data all the time, but really the most important thing is that you use it. It's about decision making. So so data has to inform your, your decision making. So scenario one, if you trust your data, is you, you put it in some sort of format that, that helps make the, de- the, the decision a little bit easier. Um, if you... the uh, and that's if you know that's if you can chug through it. So if I have a model, if I built a call center model, I have a capacity plan, I have some some way of saying um, uh, if I do this, then this is what's likely going to happen, or if I do this other thing, here's what's likely going to happen. So usually through a model. Um, if you don't have that, um, uh, you know this this kind of modeling exercise. If you if you can't do that. Um, the trick then is is you want to take this data and you want to sort of uh, use it to you know help you process your 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 decision making. So I know that I know this piece of data is trending this way. So I, I'm my intuition says that I should I should do these these things. So in general, when you're making it you know a big picture decision within a contact center, it's about managing your risk or you know you're making a decision about hiring. So I've got some costs associated with that. I know my volumes should be going up. I don't know how much they're going to go up, but I'm going to use this information that I have and I'm going to sort of internalize it and be the be the big guy who's using data to make a decision. But the second part of it is I may have a whole bunch of data, but I don't understand it or I don't believe it. And in that particular case, what you're going to want to do is you're going to want to go off and find some sort of corroborating data. Maybe it's a series of anecdotes. Maybe it's it's stories from folks and, and use that to make your decision. But in the end, data is all about making decisions or having data. The, the purpose of it is, to, is, is about making decisions. And, um, the, you know, the best of all worlds is I, I, I feed it into my risk model and out comes the, the, the associated risk of, of the various decisions I could make. Um, but the one thing about it that's actually kind of interesting is that um, the, with data, without data, a decision still has to be made. Right. If I believe my data, if I don't believe my data, I still have to make a decision. So I'm coming into my busy season, and I've got to figure out how many people to hire. I've got to figure out what what products to offer my customers. I still have to make a decision, and the best way to do that is with um, both data. And if you can turn that data into models or or convert it into a risk assessment, that's 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 even better.
so there are ways to to get this data where you trust it it sounds like because uh it sounds like there's a lot of uh you say intuition and um learning about things but how do you know it's accurate yeah that's that's it and, and uh how do you know that it's accurate it's um intuition you brought, brought that up intuition is important um uh and you need to be able to to check your data to see if it makes sense um just recently we were talking to a customer and um they came to us and they said hey we think our handle times are are, are a little high uh and um we think that maybe higher you know higher than what it was before we we bought your platform and so we so we're starting to look into that and um at the same time they said i don't know if i can trust my old data and so there's a simple there's a simple check to that and the, the check is this did you have to hire a whole bunch of people if you had to hire a whole bunch of people to maintain your service standards, well, then you know that, that the handle times are higher. If you didn't hire a whole bunch of people and you're still maintaining your service standards, what it means is that your data prior to this was bad. And when we chatted with them, uh, we pretty much found out that, no, they didn't hire people and they're still hitting their service goals, which means that um, uh, their, their prior data was, was just poor. Um, but it's those kinds of things, you know, uh, you know, see if, see if it matches up with your intuition. You know, look at your, say, for example, your handle times in a contact center. It's saying that you need, uh, you know, our, our handle time is six minutes. You know, the easiest thing you can do is, is listen in on an agent and see if it takes six minutes. If it, if it takes three minutes, then you listen to a few more and, and, and see. So, so you can actually do some, some checking, uh, uh, checking on, you know, by, by paying attention to your contact center. Okay. So really just, just paying close attention is uh, having the intuition of knowing where to look, but then looking. Yeah, and most of these folks, most of these folks who, are, who are running call centers have been doing it for a long time or have been in contact centers for a long time. And you sort of know when things just don't feel right. Well, that feeling is important. You know, it's, it's important. Another thing you can do is you can just take that information and feed it through some standard you know, model that you can find on the internet and say, hey, is, does this predict what I, I'm sort of seeing? And if it's in the ballpark, then you know that um, your data is probably okay. So you mentioned uh, how some of the managers and supervisors, these type of people managing this kind of data, have been in the industry for a while, but I'm sure they have to justify the costs of their contact center to higher management. So say they have this infinite amount of data, how do they present that to leadership to get uh, buy-in to show progress? Yeah, that's a, that's a, that's a great Great question. Um, there's I, uh, here's a story. So, um, my son, a couple years back, he's an industrial engineering student at Purdue, and uh, he got a summer internship, and they gave him this big project. And the project was, um, you know, help us. Uh, you know, he was down in North Carolina at um, some facility that that stored a lot of product, um, you know, Lowe's product, and and he, he did something to improve the ability to to take more product in, so they could take more product in, and therefore they can get more stuff into the stores and such. Uh, you know, interesting work. He he thought it was cool, and he called me up. He says, "I have this big presentation in a week. Um, how do I how do I make this?" impactful. I think this is going to save, you know, save the company a lot of money. And I, so my answer to him was, well, have you figured out how much money? He's like, no, I haven't. I go, well, people listen to dollars. They don't listen to, um, 
you know, I can improve throughput by 13%. That doesn't mean anything to anybody, right? So you have to, no matter what you're doing, if I have data, um, if I'm going in front of a board, if I'm going to go talk to people, the, the number one thing you can do, the simplest thing you can do, it's usually pretty a pretty easy calculation, even if it's on like back of the envelope stuff, is to go in and say, um, I am saving you X amount of dollars, or this is going to cost us this amount of money, but here's the benefit, in the, and, it's, and it's this amount of money is the benefit. So always always convert things into money because everybody can, you know, has an intuition about money. But they don't have in, intuition about throughput. They don't know about handle times. They don't even know what that means. The, the execs in, call, uh, in, in companies, they, they don't know what that means. Um, but they do know, hey, I'm this is going to cost me, you know, $4 million. They go, oh, wow, that's a lot. Or this is going to save you $10 million. They go, oh, that's really cool. If you can con you know, convert things into costs, into dollars and cents, it's always the best. Mm -hmm. So to that end, if, if dollars and this kind of data, if you need to make it real, um, what's something that these executives uh, would see that would be detrimental? They would look at this and say, like, this isn't, is this accurate? Is this... Um, really representative of our contact center right 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 well data, data that's automatic um is usually pretty accurate so call center data is you know tends to be accurate now you know you, you may not understand what the data actually means if somebody says handle time um in in a call center uh that's uh, that usually means something. If, if you've been working in call centers, that means something to you. But you may have it wrong because the definition of handle time changes from platform to platform often. Oftentimes, even within the same platform or channel to channel, it will change. And, you know, do I add this time into, into my overall handle time? All these things, there's different definitions of, of, of the same metrics. And you have to make sure that you understand yours. And um, like I said, data that's automatic tends to be accurate. It's just a matter of understanding what, what the, the automatic data actually means to you. Um, however, there's data sources that are, are, are inaccurate or tend to be inaccurate. And you still have to understand it. For, for example, things that are human gener generated, like um, QA scores or survey re customer responses to surveys, things like that, uh, those aren't so accurate and here here's here's a great example when you get a phone you know you you call your airline and then afterwards they say we stay on for a survey the question i have for you is, is all the people who are listening um are you honest because i sure as heck am not right they say you know how likely are you going to recommend us as an airline it's like i don't recommend airlines at all <laughs> so <laughs> that's true but but if i like the person i was just talking to i'll say i'm very very likely and and that skews the data the data is all messed up mm -hmm. so they, they they think that this has meaning to to the company you know i just because i i talked to meg i can um i am going to i'm going to go ahead and and, and promote this company when in fact that's all bs i'm not going to promote that company but but their data says that it does so so they're in a human you know a piece of human generated data not so accurate um, same things with QA scores we all have our biases we all like certain things and QA scores can be affected by those guys uh, by those biases um, but whether the data comes to us automatically or whether they're generated um, by a human being you always got to do a sanity check you always have to understand both what the data means and and what's you know it, does it does it seem right? 
Um, one of the things that I love to do is, is to take that data and graph it. So, for example, if I'm looking at uh, you know one of the call center metrics, call volumes, right? Graph it. Look look over time. Go back in time and see what it looks like, and see if the thing that say for instance we're we're taking uh, uh, volume data and we're forecasting it. Well, go ahead. Look at the forecast, but compare it to what happened before. If it doesn't seem to make sense to you, then it likely uh, isn't right. You, again, use your intuition. You've been working in call centers for a while. Same with this this human stuff. If if it, you know, does this pass a smell test or not? Um, you know, if I'm looking at it over time, do, am I getting relatively consistent numbers? Because I should, you know, I should always get relatively consistent numbers. A, a fun one is I was working at a company, and they always did this employee net promoter score, right? Uh, and this was, you know, this was a big deal. It, it took a whole bunch of everybody's time. But you would go from being the best in the company to the worst in the company by quarter, and it didn't matter. Just the, the, the sample sizes were so small. Oh, yeah. So if I have 20 people who are working on it, all it requires is one person to vote, you know, uh, uh, to go from being best to being worst or being, you know, crossing that net promoter score threshold. And lo and behold, your, your, your scores crash. They were using the wrong metric to try to track the, the you know, something, but they're using it wrong. Uh, and they didn't understand how, how numbers worked. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So it's a difference there between like how you slice it median versus average things like that the way the way you're looking at it is going to color your assumptions and your final decisions too sure you have to look at how sensitive your metric is to changes you know if i'm if i'm in a call center and i'm looking at handle times and i've got a hundred thousand calls a month you know what that's those are big numbers those numbers should be pretty stable but if i'm um doing an employee a great one is we do um you know uh the, the back to the survey thing so so we survey our customers well what percentage of those people answer those phone those, those surveys one percent two percent you can't really build anything off of one one percent or two percent um and similar with qa scores they 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 will uh listen in on one call a week per agent well, you know, you had a good call, you didn't have a good call. It's all sort of, um, uh, you know, you know, the, the, it's 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 based on the draw. You know, who, who called me on that at that particular time? And so you do have call in in the call center world. You'll be judging agents based upon something. You know, one out of every thousand or not thousand, hundred calls or something. That's not a good sample, and you certainly can't judge an agent by that now we uh what you could do is you could listen to that one and say oh i got had a problem with this this call let me go listen to 10 more of them 10 more calls by this agent and see if if this agent is trouble if they're not then you know you can use it for other purposes but not certainly not statistics so it sounds like there's hundreds if not thousands of points of data available to these supervisors uh what helps them choose what makes sense to report on? What helps them focus on these reporting points in order to get something that's meaningful? Yeah, well, that's that's interesting too because one of the things that I was actually working with one of our customers, um, a real smart guy named Aaron, and uh, he and I were looking at, at, at one of his business problems, which is, you know, um, uh, what was what was it? It was it was oh I uh, we have a Spanish desk and we have a English English desk, and I've noticed that our when our English people handle Spanish calls, they're much faster on the phone. And so we went through and we we actually plotted um, 
handle time on the y-axis and on the x-axis we plotted repeat calls and sh sure enough his intuition what he was telling me was absolutely correct the the English speakers had very uh, low handle times which is in generally pretty good in a call center but they also had um, a lot of callbacks which means what happened probably is uh, the Spanish speaker called got an English speaking person who was backing up that that Spanish line and they couldn't communicate and they chatted for a bit until the Spanish person just went okay thank you hung up and called back hoping to get a Spanish person right so it looks like that English speaking agent boy they've got great handle times but no they were generating a whole bunch of callbacks because um, you know it's the wrong person talking to the to the customer yeah right that, that, that doesn't make any sense but what we what we could do is we could actually sort you know by simply looking at that at that curve you know with, again handle time by callbacks you could find problem calls so you can look at it and say hey this particular phone number called us back seven times over a 24-hour period now what the supervisors and the folks who are managing the call center should do is listen to those calls because if I listen to them I can figure out hey something's something's wrong here right I, I, I'm looking at this graph and I, I can see that point that point is a problem point it's something that's very expensive for us person called us seven times um, that chewed up a lot of my resources so let, let me listen to that call and and figure out wh what could it be it could be a very needy customer right it's somebody who just has a problem that that requires a lot of help or hand-holding or something it's a complex problem or it's a um, you know, it's just a customer that's just not getting it. Mm -hmm. It could be that we didn't train our agents very well, right? Yeah, or they don't have what they need. Right, right, right. Or maybe it's something like um, uh, we have a business process that's really convoluted and it's just confusing people. So, you know, it could be those things. Or maybe there's some other things. But the point is by, um, by looking at your data... You can, you can try to find those things that you should be paying more attention to. And all I would have to do in, in his particular case, I, I'm, I'm making up the number, but it may be on the order of 10% of his calls sort of fell into this expensive call pattern. It wasn't necessarily seven calls, but it could be really long handle times with a few calls or short handle times with a bunch of them. And when we looked at it, it was, it was around 10% of their calls. So what they should do is they should spend some time trying to figure that out because maybe it's, it's a quick fix. I, I train my people on that particular type of call or I um, fix that process or whatever it is uh, I can save my company a whole bunch of money but what that does is it says I'm gonna look at my data in a, a particular way and I'm gonna you know find my problems and try to fix my problems and then I'll continue to to improve and it can help you identify these opportunities for the improvement in these small ways say this one person doesn't have like this one agent doesn't have the tools they need to actually finish these calls what can anybody do to get them what they need right 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 and in, in his case he had a, <laughs> a group of agents who didn't have the the tools to do the job because they didn't speak spanish so it sounds like you need more people who can speak spanish super easy super easy fix right yeah. well except you have to then hire them find them yeah find them. right 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 so we've talked a lot about metrics and presenting these metrics to the executive team but if you only meet with them weekly or less uh, what kind of metrics are the most useful to get in front of them as quickly as possible? Yeah. Okay. So I, I got a, I got a story. So I um, my very first job out of college, um, I went and I built a at the time. This is a long time ago. Um, a workforce management tool for airports. I was working at one of the one of the airlines, Northwest Airlines, and we worked really hard. We built this really great scheduler, and and um, 
and the schedules were much more efficient than people were putting together by hand and and it had some huge benefits so it was really cool. It was really exciting. I worked all every weekend. I was just really, um, uh, um, you know, working on this little algorithmy thing. And my boss asked me to put together a document to um, to explain this. So he said, "Could you please, you know, put together a report on this?" And so I had just come from academia, and I, I I worked all weekend and I cranked through. I don't know. I was a sixty-page report. I, I explained how the algorithms work. I explained um, you know the benefits of it I explained some of the risks of it I talked about first you know the pilot program all this different stuff and um, uh, 60 pages all in word I ran up to the boss that Monday morning dropped it off um, he's he uh, started thumbing through it and he said hey uh, come back you know come back after lunch and so I came back after lunch he says I, I rewrote it and I went oh Oh, okay. And when I, and he says and he flipped his, his monitor toward me, and what it was it was a PowerPoint, and had four bullet points. It says we built a ske scheduling algorithm. Number two, it will save us five to fifteen percent of our uh, our labor costs, uh, implying you know sixty million dollars. Number three, we will implement it this fall. <laughs> Number four is um, I suggest we we do it across our whole network. You know, that was it. That was the report he wanted, four bullet points. And the same is true of any time that you take data and bring it up to the, you know, up a level and up a, another level. So if you're going to be uh, presenting to your CEO or your CFO or your COO or whatever, um, what you want to do is you want to turn it into something super simple. And never, I, numbers, eh, you know, big tables of numbers and, and, and data is generally not the way you want to go. Mm -hmm. You want to go in there with, uh, it doesn't have to be definitive, but you want to go in there with results, okay, saying, or, or, or courses of action saying we should do, you know, at the very least you have a PowerPoint with a graph and the headline says, you know, we should do X, Y, or Z. And then you say down in the in, in the picture because and you're showing you know why you should do X Y or Z. So you always turn it into something that's decision oriented. If there's a big number like we will save this amount of money, you put that down there. Uh, but in general, you're not showing them tables of data because that doesn't mean anything uh, unless you can you can craft a story from it. So in general, if you're putting together a PowerPoint presentation, especially for <laughs> the I always used to joke about this: the higher up in the organization you are, the more you react to pictures as opposed to uh, numbers and, <laughs> and stuff. So so put together a lot of pictures. Well, I mean, you want, you want a chart. You want it to be green. You want it to be going up, right? Absolutely. Uh, so you know, definitely, definitely craft a story and you use your PowerPoint or your presentation to craft the story. You say, you know, here's our business problem and you show why there's a business problem and you say, here is solution one looks like this and here's what we think what would, ha you know, would happen. Solution two looks like this and here's what's going to happen. So um, in general, you want to uh, turn everything, you know, you, you dumb it down even more the higher up in the organization you go. Now be prepared for, for tough questions because these people are smart, uh, but they do react to pictures more than anything. But the idea then would be to ask and then answer these specific business questions. Yeah, when you're in, for example, in call centers, in general, the types of questions that you are really trying to answer are things around uh, what are my customers experiencing and saying. So, so um, you want to be able to paint a picture that says, uh, in general, here's the way that my my uh, you know my customers are saying, asking these types of questions, or, or we've seen a change in, in why they're calling us, or um, our CSAT scores are going up or down, or um, 
uh, we're noticing, you know, we've got a lot more abandons because we're under, understaffed. Those are things that, that, that customers are experiencing. Another thing, and we're starting to hear about this a lot more, um, so, for example, uh, we now call workforce management, we call it uh, workforce engagement management or something like that, which is, you know, is what it is. Uh, but it's the, the, real focus, the real important thing is to try to figure out what your agents are experiencing. So things like um, uh, agent occupancy is something that we've always measured, but there's probably a better metric than agent occupancy, and it might be something like, uh, how long do my agents go without having any kind of time between calls? That would be an interesting metric to, to keep. You know, you always want to keep track of your attrition. If you're noticing there's either seasonality to attrition, that's something to note. But if there's just a spike in attrition, well, that's something that you have to look into. Mm -hmm. um, you have to look at how easy it is to hire into your contact center because that goes to the reputation of your company. Mm -hmm. And uh, everybody should keep track of their agent satisfaction to some degree, right? A happy customer. I'm sorry, a happy agent means a happy customer, right? Yep, yep. Another big picture question that, that the big shots usually are interested in is, is my operation efficient or am I getting more efficient? So you might want to look at things like how many contacts are we processing, you know, at what cost, you know, how many agents does it take to process X amount of uh, calls and that kind of thing. But the are we improving in what ways is, is something that you should always, you know, when you go in and say, here's here's how we're operating this month, mm -hmm. one of the things that you want to be able to say is, oh, and we're a little bit more efficient, which is always good. You know, you're always trying to put your best foot, foot forward, too. And if you're managing a contact center network, you want to be able to say, hey, you know, we are better than we were a year ago. It's one of the fun yeah. things that we've been doing here at Sharpen is looking at our customer data, and we're noticing that um, we're, we're seeing trends of our customers all improving, which is kind of neat. Another thing that you always want to be able to tell your execs is, you know, what's going to be happening in the future based upon everything that we know. Here's what we expect our volumes are going to look like. Here's what we expect our handle times are, are, are going to look like just based upon our current trends and such. Um, and, and therefore, here's, here's the, the way we're going to respond in terms of how do we staff our centers or how, do we introduce new channels? And if we do that, what was going, what's going to happen? You know, basically, uh, look at external events that could generate calls like, you know, there's an election or, um, uh, you know, because of COVID and because of when we think the shots are coming out, here's when we think our restaurants are going to open up and, and get busy. All those kinds of things are things that you'd want to forecast and say, here's what we expect is going to happen. So it, let me let me see if I can if I can summarize here. So so you want to keep track of what your customers are experiencing. You want to look at what your agents are experiencing. You want to figure out whether your your contact center is efficient, and you want to be able to forecast what's happening in the future. So those those are the four big takeaways, big big picture questions that you that that executives might always want to hear about. So really, when you are going to your exec team to do your reporting, you have to uh, give them a historical version of the past and predict the future, and all of this with all the data you have. Yes. Yes, exactly. So we've talked about uh, what to look for, how to report on it, uh, what you can do with some of this reporting, but then the next steps are, how do we use all of this data to improve? Uh, that's, a, that's a great question. It's it gets back to I think our one of our original um, one of your original questions and it's you know how do you take data and improve well first off you have to convert that data into meaningful stuff so like in the example where we're looking at um, uh, a lot of repeat calls and listening to those particular repeat calls that's going to that's going to uh, lead to some sort of improvement 
just we're going to get rid of all the problem types of calls or we're going to train our agents better uh, you know all of those those things if I just address those things I should see some sort of improvement so um, for example you know we are in a weird time in all around the world right and if you're thinking about your particular business um, this may mean that you get a lot more calls or a lot fewer calls and so you have to sort of figure that out way in advance because I have to either you know I have to hire people say and um, you don't want to hire them too early because if I hire them too too early then I'm just incurring a big old cost um, I want to hire them at the right time so you have to always be monitoring this kind of stuff every week I've got to be looking at what's happening in the world and then readjust what either what my plans are or which of those plans I'm going to go with so you use your data basically to, to try to I don't know predict what's going to happen in the future and 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 uh, constantly update this so that I, I have the right number of people not too early, not too late. Well, I think consistency is a part of that too because you want to be able to provide your customers a consistent experience no matter how many agents you have, no matter the situation in the world. So if you can plan ahead, then you can keep your service levels consistent. Exactly right. Um, one of the things that people talk about often are, are benchmarks with data, and I'm not so sure that that's something that that that's real. Like, um, one, <laughs> there was a whole business actually. Uh, they may still be in business, or I won't mention their name, but their whole job was to go amongst different companies and, and come up with benchmarks, and uh, and then feed this back to the different companies so that they can see how they're doing relative to their peers and all that sort of stuff. Problem with that though is that all of these different companies really truly are different. A, a funny story is early in my my career I uh, was working um, for a little company that I, I started and um, and two of our first customers, one was Avis and one was Hertz. Now they're both in Oklahoma, their headquarters are. And so what I would do is I'd fly into one of the cities, I'd rent an Avis car, drive to Avis, drive back to the airport, get a Hertz car, then drive the two and a half hours down to, to Hertz. So I'd make sure that I never had the, the, you know, the wrong car in the right wrong parking lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah, but the, the interesting part about it is I was looking at all of their data. I knew Hertz data, I knew Avis data, and these things were so different. Even though they had exactly the same business, they processed it differently, their agents approached the contact very differently they had different handle times they had different closure rates they you know one tried to sell you know hard sell a little bit more than the other so all of these things are actually really really companies are different and um, uh, you'll even see different contact centers within the same company that might be have its own personality and, and be a little bit different too so so benchmarking doesn't help you with all that kind of stuff um, uh, and being consistent is uh, you know, can be hard, uh, especially if your environment is changing. People are calling you for different reasons at different times. And uh, um, one of the things that's interesting in businesses is is they um, your customers call like a great example again back to this sort of thing, which is um, I was working with some hotel chains, and one of the things that they 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 found and and did analysis around was at different times of the day customers call you for different reasons so if I'm calling a hotel chain in the middle of the day odds are I'm a business caller and I am not price sensitive I am you know I've got to I got to book my room because I'm, I'm gonna be someplace in three days and you know I just want to book it and I'm gonna be you know very different than when I call the same person calls later that evening because I'm booking my family vacation there I'm I'm very sensitive to price I'm booking way in advance I'm Looking for different kinds of amenities and different kinds of uh, kinds of rooms and such, so consistency is not 
normal within the contact center industry. There's a lot of differences based upon time of year and time of day and across industries and within my same contact center and different groups, they're all going to be very, very different. Mm -hmm. So if, I guess if, if contact centers end up getting people, say, say, like you were saying, people call in at different times for different things, uh, then it's kind of hard to, to mark growth or to understand what growth is. So it sounds like there's some ways you can help your contact center, both your staff and your company, uh, organize things in order to see that growth. Yeah, there's, um, I mean, you know, people do call for different reasons, but one of the things that also is interesting within call centers is is people behave in similar patterns. So even though I have, in that last example, my leisure travelers calling in the evenings and being longer, having longer handle times, lower margins and such, um, you'll find that over time that pattern probably is is pretty similar meaning you know my business travelers call during the day here's the way they behave in the evenings here's the way those people behave and over time you might get um, some repeatable stuff like for example um, anybody who's been in call centers knows what the weekly pattern of calls looks like it's there's a distribution that is consistent most of the time it's some sort of two or three hump in the middle uh, spike in calls because you know you've got three different time zones and people you know the the calling pattern tends to be sort of a normal distribution and then similarly o- over the course of a year you'll have some patterns that are actually pretty predictable like you know we either get hammered at Christmas or we don't but it, you know it depends upon your business um, you might have a summer spike or you might not but either way if I were to look at your data year over year you'd see some pattern that looks pretty s- consistent now there might be some growth to it or there might be some shrinkage to it but the uh, the pattern itself will be pretty consistent so the idea is not necessarily the the pattern itself but what you can learn from the pattern in order to grow and get better and improve your service oh yeah yeah so you can use that to to um to get pretty accurate with things like your forecasts and such so once you get this data and your forecast, uh, then you could use this data to tell your story. You can use this to uh, help your, your contact center staff understand what your goals are as both a contact center leader and for the company in general. Sure, sure. Uh, the good thing about using all of this, you know, uh, this information is, is that it does make you a little bit smarter and it does allow you to run a smoother operation. So um, back to the volume stuff, if I know what, when my peaks and valleys are, even if, if we're you know, twice the size that we were last year, I know when my peaks are coming, I, ca- I can staff accordingly so that I, I have a smoother operation. If I know why my customers are calling me, uh, maybe there's some things that we can do to, um, to make those calls be a little bit easier, either by educating my workforce or by um, putting out some sort of social media thing that makes that call go away or makes those concerns go away. Um, there's all sorts of different things that you can do to, to ju- you know, use this information and try to do in a smart way because I'm my goal is to have as smooth an operation as possible at lowest cost um, as possible so anything that I can do to, to get agents or I'm sorry get customers to um, self-service or hit the web or um, uh, not call at all that's a that's a good thing okay so really it sounds like like finding the right data is not just about the data itself it's about making it actionable to ultimately uh, reach that bottom line and keep your customers happy. Yes. Yes. That's a, that's a wrap. (laughs) (laughs) That's great. end.
That's a wrap on today's episode of Unlocking Customer Service. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or Google Play to get notifications when new episodes drop each week. Or head to sharpencx.com podcast to catch up on all the latest episodes. And if you enjoyed today's episode, leave us a review so we can reach more people like you.